Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is a prominent and wise Rockets Twitter presence. You know him as Mitty. He's at Mitty Rockets on X. Glad you could join us, Mitty. And I got to ask, what's the story behind the name? What's the story behind Mitty? Oh, Mitty's just kind of some sort of um, name that I came up with. Uh, my friends started calling me that back in back in high school. Um, my real name is it's a, it's a Turkish name. People mess up on it a lot. Uh, I used to play a lot of Xbox and PS4, whatever. My name was always Midi Rock. So I just came and it just came as Midi. Easy to say. It's not very frequently used. So yeah, it's yeah. original for sure. And and just for those who don't know Midi, what's your Rockets background? How far do you go back? What era did you start rooting for the Rockets? When I came to America from Turkey, when I was about four years old, I, I was always in Texas. I do have to say I was a Spurs fan uh, when I first came because I was in San Antonio. I lived in San Antonio for about, I would say, eight years. I was a big Spurs fan. I grew up during the Duncan, Ginobili, Parker era. So I have a lot of familiarity with how they played. And it was, it was a very unselfish type of basketball. But when the Rockets started getting into a heated rivalry with the Warriors, that's when my Rockets... I, and then I moved to Houston. I was lived in San Antonio. I moved to Houston back in like... 2007, 2008. I still was first friend for a while, but then after a while, I just kept really rooting for the Rockets at some point. And after, after a certain, certain period, I was full on Rockets. Raised in Houston. Um, I love it here. Would die for the Rockets. So just like in the last decade, you really tur- turned on to the Rockets. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through the uh, the rebuild, so I'm still basically still going through it. I don't know if that's enough, but... Um, yeah, I yeah that, that, that's actually, I should say it's more than 10. Rebuild, in rebuild years, uh, you age a lot faster, so it's probably more than 10 years when you got the <laughs> rebuild. And just if anybody's just finding my show, I forget to like remind everybody I'm a native Houstonian. I followed the Rockets since their first NBA Finals appearance 44 years ago. My degree was in broadcast journalism. I worked in sports journalism for over three decades overall, more than two decades in Houston. I spent a season working for the old Rockets TV affiliate, Channel 20, as their videographer and editor. So bottom line, if you cut me open, Mitty, there's a lot of Rockets red in my blood for sure. <laughs> I love it. Well, that Memphis loss uh, this past uh, Wednesday night. If you're watching it on Thursday, if you're watching us immediately, it's last night. Uh, it was not the best <laughs> loss of the season. Pretty ugly looking. Udoka mentioned potential starting lineup changes in the postgame. Mitty, my first thought after the game was, and just not even Udoka mentioning it, my first thought was Jalen should not be starting post-All-Star break if Van Vliet or Cam's back and ready to go. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm at the point where if if we're not really if we're not really tanking, and I don't think Ime Yudoka or Rafael Stone is wants to tank, Jalen needs to be needs to be six man or off coming off the bench for someone maybe such as Cam Whitmore or even Amin Thompson. It's uh the biggest reason why J- Jalen has been giving us a lot of issues is frankly his three-point percentage. He's shooting around 30%, 31% from three. And I've had this conversation with you and I've had this conversation with a lot of folks, but if you would increase that number from 6%, 7% to 36, 37% from three, and that's not even counting elite, that's just that's just okay. You're shooting, you're shooting good. This would be a completely different discussion. Um, and these are a lot of these attempts are wide open too. You can't really depend on Jalen um, doing that when he's constantly missing. You need some sort of shooting at the two spots, some sort of uh, score. And he, he's, he's been doing much better on defense. He has been doing much better as a facilitator as well to some, some uh, extent, but we need someone who can score. It can't just be Alpi. I do want Jabari more usage. That's a different topic, but yeah, I, I am fully aboard with it. It's been going along for too long now, but um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. How do you feel about it? Well, I, I've pretty much given up on Jalen at this point. I, I felt like 
after watching the last couple of weeks, maybe there was some hope. He had that nice little run. But, you know, it just tell, tells me that he is not into it every single game. When you you see him get three 10-rebound games, and he hadn't done one 10-rebound game in his entire three years, and you hear why, that he was basically told by Udoka, look, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff where you're just not out there focusing and not out there giving effort to rebounding. And, and it was basically what it came down to is like you're standing around at times. So, you know, he he puts forth that good weekend and I'm like, OK, maybe this is something. But as soon as the trade deadline rumors end, I felt like that's when he started let the gas off the pedal a little bit, Mitty. And then all of a sudden you go, OK, well, maybe he was just doing it so he could stay here in Houston because he knows he's got a good thing and the Rockets have been super patient with him. But, man, I, I'm I'm done and I'm ready to move on from Jalen and put him on the bench for now. And, you know, I, I'm at the point where, you know, he's a contract right now in the off season, you know, they, they need to look at, at dealing with him and I, I, or dealing him, I should say. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm kind of done right now with him. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, like I said, if he, if he's a jump shooter who can't shoot, that's, I, I've heard that, I've heard that a bunch. He needs to be able to do that at the shooting guard position. And Frank has said this before, but when, when we were really gelling, we were really playing well, when Alpi was playing his best, when we had Tari back, um, we had the number two defense, and that was kind of our peak. At that point, I Frank said, we are a Jalen Green leap away from contending. It, I don't think we're necessarily at, like even close to contention spot, but for competing for the playoffs and competing uh, against other playoff teams, 100%. You put any other pos- player in that position that would shoot at least 38%, 39%, given as this, without Tar Eason, without a lot of other players, we would not be even in this discussion right now, we'd be talking about, you know, who's our, who's our opponent for the play-in. We would be talking about a 7-8 seed. It, it is really that important. We're, we have been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. It really sucks because he does have potential, uh, but it's, he's not, I don't think he's going to be able to access that potential in the Rockets' red. Yeah, and everybody always talks about the Rockets' inability to shoot threes. And, and really, it comes down to Jalen because he's your most volume shooter from the three-point I mean, he shoots as much as anybody from three-point range and he's terrible at it. And yeah, Shane Goon can't shoot threes, but he doesn't shoot a lot of those. And really, he's the one person that's, you know, the reason why you need the threes out there because he's trying to draw the double teams and, and get somebody open. And, and he's a reason, you know, Tate's got 10, 20 minutes and I'm, I'm not a big guy on Tate because he, he can't shoot, but he's not the biggest reason that's the problem with the three-point shooting. And it's not Amen Thompson because you know, he's not trying to shoot threes either. The low percentage is not him. And he's figured out other ways to get the ball in the basket. So, I mean, that's the big part of it. And here's the thing, Mitty. I mean, if, if I'm Udoka, I want Van Vliet to be the guy that comes in. And then we say, okay, Amen's still starting and Van Vliet. So that's your backcourt. But if Van Vliet's not ready after the All-Star break, but Cam Whitmore is or Tari Eason is, either one of those guys, whoever it is, you know, they need to start because the Rockets continue to get off to slow starts. And really, he is as big a reason as anybody why they're getting off the slow starts. I mean, you know, this is this slow start thing. You know, it was Van Vliet in the lineup and now it's Amen. And I don't think it's them. That's the reason why the Rockets are getting off to the slow start. And I don't think it's Dylan Brooks. And, I, you know, his intensity is, is, you know, right from the start of the game. You see it. Jabari Smith has been in and out, you know, because of injury in the last few weeks. It's not. So it's it's Jalen. It's really Jalen. One thing I guess I, 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 could, I could mention about Jalen, um, and this is more contract, but if if we don't decide to do an action about Jalen maybe this offseason and then up to the trade deadline, he's going to have a cap hold. Of, and then when we get to, I guess, the 2025 offseason, 
when maybe we might be looking for star, star might come active and we're actually trying to do trade talks and we need cap room open. His contract automatically hits a certain point. They assume you're going to give this guy the max based on your, he was drafted second round or sorry, second pick. Uh, so he'll have a cap hold of about 37 million until you get rid of him or until the season starts or whatever. When he hits restricted free agency, there will be a cap hold of $37 million. So that kind of shuts your kind of lane of being able to get a superstar or whatever through trade or anything. It's going to be tough. Um, so I understand why the front office has been looking. And the, I think those talks are very real of uh, trading Jalen. I originally said, let's wait until the restricted free agency. But after learning that news, I do understand why it is a little bit more of a more urgency. Now. Yeah, yeah. You know, in my last show, I said Amens look like the best Rockets defensive player and rebounder. And maybe I didn't say enough because the way Shangun struggled recently, Mitty, you can argue Amens been the best player, period, since he's been starting. The best player, period, on the Rockets, a rookie, has come in and just done a ton of different things on the floor that you have to love. I, I love I love Amen. Um, the way when he plays, you don't expect him to be able to get rebound over rebounds over these bigs on the other team, but he just he can guard at times he can guard like maybe the five on a switch, depending on what they're doing, but not consistently, but one through four, he's got it. But the way he's just able to get the rebound from anybody in the post and also just how comfortably he is with putting the ball back is, I haven't seen anything like that. And it's very Tari-esque. Imagine those two on the floor at the same time. And by the way, those two are the same, those two are one of the players that cuts the most when Shengun has the ball. So they, even though they might not provide the the space, the shooting spacing, they provide other ways of uh, utilizing and uh, playing off of Shangun. I agree, Shangun's been kind of, he hasn't been playing as well as he usually has. And he, he played really well in the, earlier in the season. He's been, he's been a little off. I think that these last two games, he's actually been pretty well defensively. Um, he's held his matchup to under 50% shooting, true shooting percentage. And they're kind of starting to do this hedge with him where Shengun kind of goes up uh, into the screen, into the ball handler and blitzes the uh, blitzes the ball handler. And then there's usually someone that comes in and tags Shengun's defender, which is a weak side rim help or weak side help, help uh, helper. Um, that's usually Amin. Uh, it, it used to be Tariq, but now it's Amin. And Amin is just has been great. They play great defensively together and offensively together. But I am excited to see them to um, to the rest of the rest of the year and hopefully next year as well. Jabari has not been the same since the ankle injury, I think. And mm-hmm. I noticed you pointed out something on Jabari after combing through some stats that might surprise people. I don't know if it will or not, but what, what did you find out? Tell us about that. NBA University posted it. And he's actually one of the best isolation defenders in the NBA in terms of points per possession. And I actually I actually agree with that. Uh, and it matches the eye test. People say he's immobile. I don't think so. Um, if anything, he's he's actually more mobile than he is, in my opinion, a big. He he plays he plays like a three defensively. I always go back to Chicago um, when we played against uh, Chicago and uh, DeRozan. I guess DeRozan needed the last shot, and he was gonna. He went one to one with Jabari. Jabari played amazing defense on him, and he played amazing one on one defense throughout the game. Um, now Jabari's been doing much better as a as a rim protector and help help defender uh, for for Alpi, but he's not uh, he's not there yet. And the matchup metrics, not the matchup metrics, but the on off lineups. Um, kind of tell that story when Alpi, Tari, and Jabari are playing together. They have one of the best defensive ratings on the team, and they have one of the best offensive ratings on the team. 
but when when Alpi and Jabari are playing, they have a net negative rating. Take that with what you will. Tari and Tari also makes both of those guys a lot better. When you play Jabari and Tari together, we play Alpi and Tari together. He is one of the most impactful players. I think Jabari is play should be played at the three. You should find a four. That four right now we have in our roster. It's Tari Eason. Yeah, I mean, I think that confuses people sometimes as they look at some of these guys and they go which position should they play or whatever. It's more like which guy should play which with which guy. And that sort of leads me right into my next question. It's something I'm already starting to think about, because guess what? We only have about, I don't know, 28 games or so left in this season. And we got to start looking at next season. And if they don't trade for a starter this offseason, Mitty, who's your Rockets starting five next year? Who would you like to see out there? I'm not asking you who you think Udoka is going to have in his starting five, because that could be a totally different thing. But who's your starting five? And maybe this changes by the end of the year. But as you're looking at it, Right now, assuming they don't bring in another starter, like I said, who do you like out there? Great question. I know what, who you're going to pick. But for point guard, um, I'd still have to go with Fred. Fred's, uh, Fred's been kind of our, our guy. Uh, he's, been, he's been calming the storms a lot. When we kind of go out of sync, he knows who to get the ball to, who to really uh, play through during the, during the, during the times. He, he has a natural instinct for that, and he's a great leader. I do love Amin, by the way, and I think... If it's up to me, I play him as six man next year with heavy, heavy minutes. A lot of those minutes maybe play with uh, Fred and Alpi and Cam or whatever. But um, for number two, uh, the number two spot, I have to go with Cam. He provides the the exact thing that we need from Jalen, and it's just it's literally just space, scoring and spacing. Not amazing volume, but he is shooting about forty percent from three. I have to look oh, it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He, now it's he's shooting forty percent from three, and it's been pretty consistent. And, you know, and, and the fact that. He's consistently the point. It's a point a minute practically. It seems like when he's in the game, he's at, I think twenty seven or twenty eight mm. per thirty six, and you know, and and the rebounds. His rebounds are close to eight rebounds a game. When Jalen, most of his time so far with the Rockets, and except for that one little stretch we just talked about, he's pretty much like four, five, six rebounds a game, and that's it. And and that to me, that's just there's all of these things that he just he he's Jalen, but he's better at Jalen. That's basically it. I mean, and he's just tough. He's huge. Um, I was talking to my friend who didn't, uh, who wasn't really watching, you know, Rockets basketball religiously. He watches more of the Pelicans, but he, he went to a Rockets game. He saw Cam Whitmore. He's like, oh, I really like that big guy. I'm like, you're talking about Cam Whitmore? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know, he's only 19 and he plays shooting guard and he, he didn't believe me. He had to look, look it up. It's, it's wild. You have a six, seven guy who gives you Jalen Brown, Anthony Edwards vibes that can shoot. He, his shot is beautiful, by the way. The way he just like is able to release it is is amazing, and it's always consistent. There's nothing nothing changing with the shot. It's always gonna it's always gonna stay the same, and that's how you know when someone is is a good shooter is they always shoot the same way every single time. And also, just his rim pressure is is insane. Him and him and Amin, Jalen as well. Jalen 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 struggles a bit at the rim, but when he when he get, when he has it going, he he can't do some crazy finishes. But absolutely, Amin and Cam have the best ways of just finishing at the rim they, they are one of the best finishers on the team no doubt so the last three positions i assume mm -hmm. shangun's your center what do you do with the other two forwards yeah spots? okay i have jabari and tari at the forward spot but in my opinion those two you can swap them both so one can play the four times one can play the three at times it really depends but it, as long as you have both of those guys on there because jabari is He's like I said, he's been an amazing defender for us, just not in the way that you would expect him to be with his huge wingspan and his height. Um, and he's also quietly been shooting 37, 38 percent from three this year. And I honestly, I think he needs he needs more usage. Uh, but that's my five for right now. There could be trades in this offseason. So you never know. But that's that's my five. Fred, Cam, uh, Tari, Jabari, Alfie. Yeah. And I, I might surprise some people by saying I would just flat out start Amen 
over Fred Van Vliet at the point guard next year because look, Fred Fred's gone most likely at the end of next year. Fred, it, just because you don't start him, it doesn't mean he can't be the guy that gives you 30 minutes off the bench. And what's a three-man rotation, which my three-man rotation would just be Amen, Cam, and Fred for the most part. You might be able to squeeze a few minutes into some to somebody else, you know, a five or 10-minute thing. But you, you don't have to have a guy backing up each position. And usually the, the better teams have one guard that backs up both positions. And the Rockets can do that perfectly because I think Amen and Fred match up as a good backcourt duo. Amen and Cam match up as a good backcourt duo. Uh, however you want to mix and match Fred and Cam, whatever. And really, uh, I'm fine with Dylan Brooks still starting, but I would potentially think about starting uh, Tari Eason instead of Jabari, move Jabari to the bench and have Jabari coming off potentially because I just, I love the idea of let's see Tari and Amen and Cam and Dylan and all of that defense, all of those guys that are sort of can can get, get you um, – steals, make things happen, cause havoc, and then immediately get out on the break. Cam and Amen are like, a, both of those guys are a one-man fast break. Uh, Tari gets out there. So, I mean, it, it gives you an identity that they don't have, Mitty. They need some sort of an identity as a team. Their identity is like, with those guys, is quick and athletic. And then once you slow it down, you know, you have Shangun to go to in the post. And that's your that's basically your post offense. And then hopefully you start, you know, with that, I want to start seeing immediately. I want to start running pick and rolls with Amen and, and Shangun, with Cam and Shangun. Let's see what that can do. Because eventually, if you want Shangun long-term and you like those other two guys, Amen and Cam, which we all love, then let's see them run plays with each other. Let's see what they can do in the pick and roll. And so, yeah, I, I'm ready. And I, you know, I, I've heard the argument that, well, Fred Van Bleet, you know, you can't send him to the bench because you signed him to this big contract. But, you know, I'm sorry, this is the NBA. I'm trying to win games. And at the same time, I'm trying to get to a championship. And Fred, I'm sorry, we love you, but Fred Van Vliet, it's really hard to win a championship if Fred Van Vliet's your starting point guard. When he went in Toronto, he was not the starting guard, you know, as Kyle Lowry. So, like, we, you got to get there. And Fred, we gave you the money. You still get the money, which is, you know, that's a big reason why he signed with us, I'm sure. But bottom line is, you know, it's okay. He can go to the bench. He could still get 30 minutes. He could still work teaching these guys. And that, that's why he was brought in. He knows that. If it wasn't for the beginning of the season where Fred was kind of our anchor and ever since he's been gone, our offense has really taken a nosedive. It, to be fair, it's always been pretty bad. He's shown the ability that, you know, you can really rely on him. And this is going to be just a hard decision for Ime, in my opinion. Um, you have about seven, seven players that are starting caliber and probably more than that because I, I didn't even include Dylan. Uh, but I'm just going with the best available that I thought and the most, uh, I guess, uh, reliable my opinion, Tari's, Tari's one of the most impactful players. At some point during the next season, though, I did choose Fred, but I do want to see Amin start to really take that spot at one point, maybe even start over start over Fred, especially if, if you know, if it's going to be the same way where he's dealing with injuries. Because I think even his time during Toronto, uh, during Tampa, uh, when they when they played in the Tampa bubble or whatever back in 2021, Fred was... Fred was Fred was injured, I believe. But but what you just said is another reason why I would like to see Fred coming off the bench because he's now had an injury the last few years. He's a smaller guy. Smaller guys cannot handle that sort of physical taxing 35, 40 minutes a game. What what he's been getting. And and yeah, I, I could I could easily say, oh, Udoka will just drop the minutes as he gets more confidence in Amen. But I kept thinking he was going to drop the minutes at different times earlier this year. I kept thinking, okay, the Rockets are doing well right now. You could take them out of the game for a few minutes. But, you know, Udoko just get into a panic and want to throw him back in the game. And the best way to make sure his minutes are limited is just not start him. At least those first few minutes of the game, 
he's not in it, it immediately cuts down how many minutes Udoka can actually play him. So maybe I, I just feel like on a number of levels, it helps his career out long term. It maybe gets him some legs back after playing, you know, near the top of the league in minutes the last three years, which has been ridiculous. Yeah, Robert. I mean, I agree with agree with most of that. It's the starting lineup isn't necessarily the these are the five. These are always going to be the five most impactful best players on the team. There's obviously talent involved in who you pick for the starting lineup, but a lot of that it's also it, it, there's there's a little bit of um, let's say like veteran. Like veterans are necessarily going to hit the bench, especially someone like Fred. Especially if he, I think Frank even touched on it a little bit. His agents wouldn't be necessarily to that, but that's that's a different issue. That's not basketball. Everything that we've been seeing from Stone is he's worried about agents. But when you suck, you know what agents don't want? They don't want to put guys on your team. So it's 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 time to like let's get out of sucking mode and let's get to the point where we're winning. And the faster you get point to to, to the point of winning, then agents want to come. It doesn't matter. You know when agents like to, to bring their client there when they feel like they have a chance to win a championship. So I I, I frankly don't want to hear about. You know, plus all these guys, they're they're griping all the time. I mean, P.J. Tucker, who's like nearly 40 years old, is demanding a trade when he's on a team that looks like it can win the championship. And he's griping nonstop, it seems like. He's always whining about something. This is a guy that has literally no offensive game anymore. That's whining. I mean, this is what where we are in the NBA. I don't worry about it. I'm like, hey, we, we signed you to a contract. It's a better contract you would have gotten anywhere else in the NBA. And you could come off the bench for 30 minutes instead of starting for 30 minutes. It does it does it doesn't matter, and it shouldn't matter for you. I want to ask you also before we close things out. Uh, I almost forgot what are some of the offensive and defensive trends you're seeing the last couple of games? Because I know there's some things that you wanted to get into. What what are those? In terms of offense, uh, we and I just looked this stat up and actually posted on Twitter right right before I got on. But we are ranked 29th in terms of touches per minute and that's that's absolutely terrible um you because the the people the people who are ranked or the team that is ranked 28th and 30th are iso heavy teams it's the clippers and the mavericks you have luca and you have harden we don't have any of that isolation savant on our team we have alpi but alpi isn't you know luca luca or harden he has he has different ways and he's also he's a playmaking big he's more like sabonis and and Jokic to that type of archetype and if you look at the top of the list that most touches uh the touches per minute it's the Kings. The Kings have the most. Second is the Pacers, and around ninth or eighth is the Nuggets. I mean, that should just tell you everything you know. You're not. We're not utilizing LP, and a lot of that is his personnel. You don't have shooters. You don't have any sort of rhythm that you could go to. And there's a lot of ball stoppers on the starting lineup. You know, if somebody gets the ball and they think they have a good shot, they're just going to take it. Dylan's been really good for us from the three, uh, though he'll take. He'll obviously do some really dumb stuff a lot. In terms of the overall, I have been seeing a little bit more. In terms of the offense, it's it's been it's been better. Kelly, you could put out a tweet that you know because constantly telling people to you know cut while Alpi has the ball. It should be done. It should have been done the first game of the season. But I'll take it. You know we're we're getting we're getting some progress. Um, I wish we got a movement shooter during the uh, trade deadline. That's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. Hopefully this offseason we do get those movement shooters. One of the best offenses in the in the league is Sacramento Kings, and the the ball movement there is amazing. We need to be able to replicate that a little bit. In terms of defense, we're missing Taurus, and that's the. He's the most impactful person. And people keep telling, you know, saying like, oh, he's just one person. If you took out one piece from a team, one important piece from a team, he is that piece. Every other team has it. Every other winning team has it. It's literally the weak side help. You you need you need a weak side help. If you don't have a rim protector, you need a rim side, rim side, uh, weak side help. Alpi is not, he's not the rim protector. I mean, he is, but he's not, he's not a good one. That's yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's not the rim protector. I think yeah. we all, we've all figured that out yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he can play good defense, but it's, it's in passing lanes and it's, um it's kind of low to the ground. It's not necessarily playing drop and 
in blocking shots. That's not his. That's not his style. Yeah. He needs to. Yeah. He needs to come in front of the screen and he needs to come to the ball handler and blitz them. And then his man is wide open, but that's when that's when the weak side help comes and tags his man, and then the guards come and tag that man. And it's kind of what Denver ran last year in the playoffs. And that was a playoff. That's a playoff scheme that tired everybody out. But it, there needs to be some sort of similarity to that. It can't just be drop. You can't drop without B. Otherwise, you're just going to get torched. So we have been seeing progress, but it's it's obviously not enough. Uh, we need we need Tari back. We need Fred back, and we need Cam back. It's it's that simple. Yeah, well, what I do mean, you think? In- injuries are terrible for any team, and the problem with the Rockets is there's just there's not the depth, and you there's a reason why you are where you are is you don't have enough star power, and Shangun is not ready to do it on a nightly basis. He just he can't do it consistently. He's 21 years old, and he can't bring that same you know like a Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander SGA like he cannot bring that you know 30 points consistently or even 25 points consistently a night, and then his defense also struggles when he gets going the wrong way offensively he gets the wrong way going defensively so yeah you need to have that guy that brings it every night that's where you can withstand injuries you know that's why when James Harden was here it was an automatic 50 wins because if other guys went down it didn't matter James Harden was the offense and James Harden you know could bring it every single night it did not matter so yeah that that's the key right there and you know that's the key that's why when you're a young team everybody that's missing is a big deal because really as a young team what happens is you know one guy can carry you one night, but he can't carry you every night. So one guy might, you know, one or two guys might be going one night and then another two guys might be going another night and so on and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, that's, that's been the biggest problem, but you know, offensively, defensively, it's, it's the same issue. It's just getting consistency from guys that are young guys and and you don't have that and they don't have enough other veterans out there. You know, they invested all of their veteran money, basically $60 million into Fred and Dylan, and that's it. And really (laughs) you would want the 60 million a little bit more spread out the three or four or five guys, and that's not happening. I mean, Jeff Green's fine, but Jeff Green, as we know, should only be playing 10 or 15 minutes a game at this point in his career. So, I mean, that's the that, that was the frustration when they had to go out and overpay those guys because it left you with the lack of depth. And, you know, Brooke Lopez, everybody was like, oh, that would have screwed up Shangun. I, I don't think it would have screwed up Shangun. I think they would have figured out a way to play him and Shangun together. And what would have happened is you would have had that guy that would have been able to help Shangun on defense. And you would have had that guy that would have been able to come off the bench at times and, and you know, if he wasn't starting and, and give you size. So, you know, the Brook Lopez, it, it was a big deal and there just wasn't a plan B, but it's hard to find a plan B for a Brook Lopez. Those guys are hard to find. That's why the Rockets struggled in finding a guy like that. And they've kind of struggled with finding that guy, period. Daniel Tice, we went through that experiment. We went through the Bruno Garuba, <laughs> you know, I mean, the uh, Bruno Fernando experiment. So I was like, yeah, but um, yeah, good stuff, Mitty. Um, uh, thanks a bunch for doing this. And uh, any any last words you got before we take off? Post All Star break, we could see a different trend. Um, it depends yeah. on what if if Ime is actually serious about benching certain people and actually playing maybe a rotation that works, play more minutes to those players that actually do work. And especially the growth of Amin is great. And if Fred comes back and they can play together, him, Cam, Amin are all interchangeable. Um, that's what I like about the backcourt. You can play any different combination of them. So, you know, we could see something different. I'm not really optimistic about the plan. However, it's not it's not out of completely out of reach yet. But Robert, I, I appreciate everything. Thank you for having me on. Thanks a bunch. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.